Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And in this episode... Join us as we delve into a realm of dark, fallen heroes, cursed for their indiscretion, to wander the world past their normal span, drawing those others forsaken by the gods to them. In this Monster Friday episode, we talk about the Death Knight. Okay, so in this episode, myself and Hannah are going to be talking about the Death Knight, which first appeared in the first edition Fiend Folio. Now, we're told in the Fiend Folio that only 12 of these dreadful creatures exist, described sort of as a form of lich created by a demon prince, possibly Demogorgon, from a fallen human paladin. The Death Knight can't be turned or dispelled, although it's affected by the Holy Word spell, and has control of other undead, equivalent to the controlling ability of an evil 5th level cleric. It's 75% resistant to magic, and can even, if an 11 or lower is rolled on the resistance check, turn hostile magics back against the wielder. So, it's already shaping up to be a pretty bad ombre as far as we go. Mm -hmm. It's described as wearing light armour, that's weird because most of the artwork shows them in heavy armor yeah it, it is a bit strange to be honest i mean even the one in the fiend folio like the original one shows them wearing armor that looks pretty hefty almost like plate armor but regardless of what armor they've got certainly in the fiend folio they've always got an ac of zero and obviously this is back in the thaco days when a lower armor class is better they have a sword which has an 80 percent chance of being magical and they have like a nightmare as a steed in the same way like a paladin might have like a summoned mount. Mm-hmm. They generate fear in a five-foot radius. They can create walls of ice at will. They can innately detect magic and invisibility. If that's not enough, twice a day they can dispel magic and summon various demons. Then once a day they can use any of the power words spells, cast a symbol of pain or fear, and generate a 20 dice damage fireball. So, <laughs> pretty respectable. Yeah. I'm interested, there's a couple of things in this one that we don't really see later on. Yeah. One of them being that there's only 12 of them. Does it expand on how that happens? Are there 12 that were chosen and it's always those 12? Or when one gets destroyed, a new one's created? Or when a new one's created, one gets destroyed? It's not really gone into detail in the Fiend Folio, and everything I've looked at later makes no mention of there being any limit mm-hmm. to the number of them. So I'm guessing they probably, like maybe when it proved to be quite popular, they just sort of faded that into the background mm-hmm. and didn't carry that forward. But a lot of things changed a bit about the origin. So if we look at the Second Dead Monster Manual, mm-hmm. the Death Knight origins changed slightly. They're now corruptions of a paladin or a lawful warrior cursed by the gods. There's no trace of the demonic about it they're cursed for breaking their vows that like neatly airbrushes any demonic involvement about maybe the satanic panic who knows we do get some extra cool like descriptive bits though like their eyes being pinpricks of glowing red orange and their voice being all like chilling and deep there's another nice detail that i like in the second ed one that i didn't see mentioned anywhere else okay which is uh Death Knights are condemned to remember their crime in song on any night when the moon is full. Few sounds are as terrifying as the Death Knight's chilling melody. 
echoing through the moonlit countryside. Death Knights are likely to attack any creature that interrupts their song or trespasses in their domains. Yeah, and I was going to say that's one of the cool like little extra like detail, sort of quirky details that I quite like. You're getting like quite a few monsters in the second hand monster manual. You know, we've talked about them potentially having to like, fill up a bit of space, but a lot of these quirky details really make the creatures stand out See, to my mind. I, I'm starting to think that a lot of these monsters, they've looked at like, oh yeah, combat stuff. This is how it's going to interact with the cleric or the wizard or the fighter yeah and then this habitat society tends to be more your druid and bard type characters that are going to be getting involved in whatever information is there yeah and obviously quite. you know i love the bard characters that's why the song stood out to me one of the weird things is as well as i know it describes that like if people interrupt their songs they tend to attack them but also it says in there, despite their fallen status, a death knight acts honourably in combat, so allowing foes to prepare their weapons, get themselves ready. And we also get like a nice little D6 table there, which you can roll on if they have got a magical sword to determine what sort of sword it is. And that ranges from like a long sword plus two to like a short sword of life stealing. So again, it's a little bit of individuality to like the different death knights so they've only got one stat block there's a bit of like variation yeah it, it's got that second ed charm oh, as yeah, they definitely. always do when i'm looking at that book now one last thing i'd like to point out is in the habitat society bit there we see the first mention of the most iconic death knight lord soth from the Dragonlance and later ravenloft settings and I'm just going to go into a little bit of detail about Lord Soth since he's the most iconic Death Knight. Um, I don't really think we could have any discussion about Death Knights without actually mentioning him. We're not going to go into a full deep dive on his history here because that'll take ages. Although, if that's of interest, let us know. We might do a future episode on it. But essentially, Lord Soth was a character in Dragonlance who was a Knight of the Rose in Salamnia. After rescuing an elven princess from, sorry, priestess from ogres, he fell in love with her and he had an affair with her despite already being married. After his wife visited a witch to help her conceive a child, the child was born an abomination due to the conflicted and twisted soul of Soth, the father. Believing his wife to have consorted with demons, Soth killed her before retreating to his stronghold, which was soon besieged by his once brother knights when his crimes became public. He eventually set out to redeem himself during the cataclysm, but he was led astray by three elf maids who poisoned his mind, leading to him allowing his new wife and son to die in a fiery accident rather than saving them. As she was dying, his then wife cursed him, causing Soth to become a death knight and his retainers to rise as skeletons in his service. Later during the Blue Ladies' War, the mists of Ravenloft carried Soth to the demiplane of Dread where he attempted to return to Kryn before eventually being granted the Ravenloft domain of Scythicus. Eventually the Mists would relinquish their claim on Soth and he would return to Kryn, but that's a story for another time. So before we... So all I'm getting from that is, he's a bit of a shagger. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Okay, so one last thing before we go on to third ad is around about this time in Dragon Magazine issue 222 which was one of their horror specials and was one of my favourite issues that I sort of had mm -hmm. at the time as a big fan of horror. 
we got a three-page article by Ed Stark that provided some additional details for Death Knight. It also, for my money, had one of the coolest artistic depictions of Death Knight by Robert Klasnick. The article expands on the use of the Death Knight as an NPC and introduces some of the concepts that we'll find later on in future editions, such mm-hmm. as the Death Knight's ability to attract undead. Mm-hmm. We get a table showing how to determine attribute scores for Death Knight, and the article effectively expands them into like an NPC class rather than just being a monster, allowing you to make Death Knights of any level, although the article quickly points out that a first-level NPC would seldom have had the chance to rise to the great heights necessary to cause the fall to actually become a Death Knight in the first place. Unsurprisingly, Lord Soth gets another mention, and the magical abilities of Death Knights are parceled out amongst the different levels, allowing the creature to become more powerful as it gains an experience. At ninth level of this NPC class, the Death Knight is such a beacon of evil that it begins to attract other undead to serve it. This ability would be retained when the creature appeared later in third end. This version of the Death Knight also has a chance equal to 5% per level once a month of attracting a powerful undead ally, such as a Lich or a Vampire. Although it can only have one of these allies, to be honest, if you think a Death Knight's bad and its undead horse is pretty dangerous. Imagine trying to take it on when it's backed up by like some undead spellcasting badass or some like blood-sucking vampire. So it's interesting to me there that you say it was introduced as an NPC class. Yeah. Not as a PC class. That's right. I certainly remember Second Ed several times where there was a debate where somebody, you know, the type of person who wants to play a gnome thief mage assassin. Yeah would want to play a Death Knight character. I personally don't really see the appeal of that, but I know you like your evil characters more than me. See, I, I still wouldn't have allowed it, because I'd be like, you see here where it says NPC class, are you playing an NPC? That, that's that argument settled then, isn't it? Fair, fair. But because I think given the fact that the Death Knights spend most of the time like, bemoaning or reliving their fates and generally attracting undead servants which a lot of them don't actually like and give them sort of like menial jobs to do i don't really think it's suitable for like an adventure crusade i mean if you were if you wanted to run some sort of game themed around that with them trying to redeem themselves maybe but it'd have to be a very sort of particular type of game you'd allow that in now, so uh on to third ed where i believe the reference is as a template to add on to any character yeah, and we didn't see the Death Knight in the third edition until Monster Manual 2 was released. Like you said, love, in something of a departure from previous iterations, it was given as a template, which wasn't designed to be dropped onto characters, it was designed to be dropped onto other creatures. Ah, so you see. could go like, oh, I've got this orc. Right now it's an orc Death Knight, because I've put that template on top of it. So what does it say in third ed about the Death Knight, love? So... To me, it looks like quite a similar creature stats-wise. Yeah. With the exception that it can now summon its own minions. Yeah. Yeah, stat-wise... It Uh, it um... has still got the horse, or the nightmare, rather. It doesn't sing anymore. Yeah, I mean, stat-wise, it's pretty similar. You know, it gets, obviously, adapting it for a template, gets a pretty hefty bonus to AC and it now does con damage due to having some like negative energy vibe going on. But obviously the main difference here compared to the previous editions is the fact that it is a template. Yes. So as you say, you can drop it onto any NPC and there is just after that a 
note about how to use this for Death Knight characters. I knew it was a big thing that came in in third ed that you could play these. I remember it causing many an argument around the gaming table. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I, I didn't really have that argument because I've just been like, no. <laughs> and, and that's that argument dealt with. Okay, now, again, in terms of the abilities, it had the fireball the Death Knight could once unleash. It's now become an abyssal blast. Maybe that's a bit of a nod back to the Infernal Origins mm -hmm. and the Fiend Folio, who knows? It deals 1d6 hit points damage per hit dice of the Death Knight, maximum 20d6. Half the damage is fire, and half is from Dark Divine Power. They've still got the Fear Aura and the various spell-like abilities, in addition to being able to summon a mount, as we've said, often a nightmare, but it does say sometimes it can be of other species. They're still immune to turning, and although this iteration of the Death Knight, it doesn't, as you said earlier, it doesn't just have the ability to control undead like an evil priest, it actually attracts their presence within a 200-mile radius. Every week, the Death Knight attracts 1d6 ghouls, 1d4 ghasts, 1d12 medium skeletons, 1d4 whites or 1d8 medium zombies they remain in service to the death knight until destroyed and are in addition to any other undead it might control using its sort of powers so what about fourth ed then well in fourth ed the death knight has once more returned to the core monster manual it's still a template creature that could be laid on top of other monsters to transform them into death knights the book offers examples of a human fighter and a dragonborn ex-paladin as an example You've handed me the Dungeon Master's Guide as well as the Monster Manual, so I'm assuming we've got a character template in here as well. Yeah, but bizarrely, although the uh, the rules for the template for creating the Death Knights are actually in the Dungeon Master's Guide, along with like a few other template creatures, and then you just get a couple of examples in the Monster Manual. I can see why they've done that, because obviously they're saying templates are a bit more complex and it's something for the Dungeon Master to do and think about. But I'm not sure if I really like sort of splitting them between the two books like that, to be honest. And again, if we're talking about their abilities, the Death Knight essentially gets a boost to AC, resistance to necrotic damage, a bushel of undead immunities, disease, poison, etc., mm -hmm. and some extra hit points. They also get three powers, because the 4th edition pushed the whole powers thing. They get Martial Undead, which is an aura of 10 power, allowing the Death Knight to give undead allies within the aura plus two to their attacks. They get Soul Weapon. When attacking with a melee weapon, the Death Knight deals an additional plus five necrotic damage. And they also get Unholy Flames. The Death Knight can cause living creatures close to it to take a mixture of fire and necrotic damage. Also, any undead within the short burst range deal an extra 2d6 fire damage with melee attacks until the end of the Death Knight's next turn. So, something that I spotted on this one... Yeah. ...that we haven't really talked about yet is this soul weapon thing. Yeah. Which has sort of progressed quite a lot by 4th edition. Uh, on 2nd edition, as you said, there was a simple chart that said, oh, they might have a magic sword. Yeah. Whereas by this point... It's become an integral part of the Death Knight, effectively, that they have this weapon and it's connected to them. Yeah, I think there's two ways you can look at that. Now, part of that, I'm sure, is because in 4th edition, the way magic items tended to work is they just gave you access to certain powers. Part of it is just because swords are cool. Well, no, I think part of it is as well, like, if you, the temptation would be, if you kill a Death Knight in, like, a previous version, you'd be like, oh, he had a magic sword. I'm having that. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas obviously with this, because that's an innate power of the Death Knight, if you grab their sword afterwards, well, it doesn't matter because you haven't got the soul weapon power. So I think it's just a, I think it's partly because that's just how Fourth Head handled magic weapons, sort of incorporating them into the actual creature. And I think another part of it is it just stops the players like taxing their shit. So how about Fifth Head? Okay, well, Death Knights in Fifth Head are back to being standard monsters. No template shenanigans here. In fact, I don't even know if template monsters in 5th edition are a thing, to be honest. Not a clue. As per previous, they've got Mad High AC. We've got a big box out for Lord Soth. Yeah, uh, they're immune to poison, necrotic damage, all that other good and dead stuff. They can also speak the Abyssal Tongue. Again, perhaps a nod back to the original sort of demonic origin in Fiend Folio. Although their origins are now specifically, it's specifically a paladin who's fallen from their vows rather than just like a lawful good warrior or a hero it's specifically a paladin in a fifth edition the picture unsurprisingly is lord soth as you said there's a little box out giving a little bit of a background on him although the text is really small in that box out they're obviously trying to cram that all in death knights can now cast divine spells although not healing magic and it counts as a 19th level caster mm-hmm. and there's a handy list of spells that they typically have prepared which is a handy thing i think you know to just have like ready as the gm they've got a necrotic longsword that does additional damage but doesn't really have the randomness of the the magical powers from like the second ed monster manual they can parry they can also hurl a hellfire orb so again the fireball vibe going on they can do that once per day when it lands it explodes in a 20 foot radius causing a mix of fire and necrotic damage and i'll tell you what love if you didn't think death knights were powerful enough if you're thinking oh maybe these death knights don't seem that powerful in fifth edition they're functionally immortal Unless they can somehow be redeemed, a Death Knight will eventually rise again, even if its entire body is destroyed. The only way to like lay them to rest, so to speak, is to redeem them for whatever crimes caused them to become a Death Knight in the first place. They haven't got a pony anymore. No, they don't seem to have the ability to summon a mount, which is a bit weird. Since like one of the iconic depictions of them in a lot of the art has been them on like these nightmares with the flaming mm-hmm. nostrils and the manes and whatever, which let's face it, it looks cool as shit. But mm-hmm. um, they don't really seem to have that in fifth edition. I'm not sure why, to be honest. Well, probably because you've then got to fight a nightmare as well as a death knight. We haven't to, to, enough to take them on while they're on horseback. To, to be fair, I think if you're already facing like a, an enemy who's functionally immortal and has got like more power than the Jorasar body, then you you're pretty much like then throwing a nightmare in there isn't really going to make that much difference i mean you can only get dead once you know what i mean <laughs> okay so let's talk a bit about how we think these death knights could be used in games uh, one of the most obvious things as it says in fifth edition you're trying to lay the death knight to rest but in order to do so it's got to be redeemed for its crimes so in order to do this you first have to know what those crimes are now if you're taking a tip from the earlier ones and every full moon they're singing about their crimes or i know there was a bit in the sort of lord soth's history when he was in ravenloft that he was forced to relive his crimes as punishments maybe you can do a bit of scouting find out that way maybe eavesdrop on their song pick up a few clues but even once you've got those so a bit of a mystery but even once you've got those clues you've then got to work out well okay so let's say they murdered a load of people in a village uh, 100 years ago 
and that's why they were cursed. Well, how do you redeem them for that crime? That village probably isn't even on the map anymore. So, but can you find some of their descendants? Can you find some way that maybe you could start a new village there? Maybe you could give somehow cajole the Death Knight into saving another village? Would that be enough? So I think you could have, as we said with a few monsters, where it's like researching them is a good option. I think for research-based characters like your bards and stuff like that, the Death Knight really is sort of like paid earth, to be honest, because they're probably going to have been around for at least 50 to 100 years at least, so they're going to have plenty of history for you to delve into. But I do think that that also could make them a bit of a tricky monster for gems because you can't really just like, drop a death knight into your game like other players exploring a dungeon and suddenly be like oh shit here comes the death knight because mm. it's like well he's been around for a hundred years attracting undead and doing his evil crimes what, what's he just suddenly doing in this dungeon how have we not heard of him before so if you're going to put them into your game there's a lot of baggage that comes with them you need to sort of build them into the background of your campaign world so i think obviously they're not going to be like a random monster but you need to have like a bit of thought before they're actually put in how they're going to work within your campaign world because if you're looking at the earlier one where they they attract undead from like a 200 mile radius people are going to have noticed like the dead rising and marching towards castle soth or whatever it is so i was thinking back to the first dead thing with there being only 12 of them. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that's like a massive adventure. Oh, there's 12 of these villains. Yeah. The whole campaign is going to be taking down all 12 of them or putting to rest all 12 of them, whatever you want to do with it. That could make for like 12 really good adventures, each themed around one of these death knights plus obviously like two or three other adventures in between yeah where you're setting up the realm of the death knight that you're moving into i'll tell you what i think could be an interesting idea sort of riffing on that that you were just talking about maybe if you did like a sort of like a dark like round table vibe like if you're using like the Mm. npc class out of the dragon magazine because then what you could do is you could go like, all oh, right, okay, yeah, there was, there was this group of knights for like a, a sort of King arthur type figure and they all sort of fell at the same time or were cursed by the gods or whatever and they all became death knights. So then you could have like a sort of a gradiated like version of them. Say you have like a couple of people who like, they'd only just joined like the round table or, and I'm using mm-hmm. the round table for this just for convenience sake. Obviously it doesn't have to be a round table. You can have a, a hexagonal table if you want, do whatever you want. But um, you get a few people who've only just joined and they're the low level death knights. Then you've got like the main knights who are a bit higher level or finally like the king, the dark king, who's mm-hmm. like the, the big bad guy who's like the high level one. So you could have different levels of bad guy and slowly sort of work your way up. And by the time you defeat some of the lower ones, hopefully by the time you get to like the big kahuna at the top, you've worked out what a few of their weaknesses are, you've, and you've got information you can use against that king. And maybe as you defeat some of the lesser ones, you get to find out little bits of information about why they're originally cursed. So by the time you get to the king, maybe you don't have to just face him in combat and like bust out the magic weapons and whatever. Maybe by the time you get there, you're like, oh, maybe we could actually redeem him because we have we can piece all these puzzle pieces together and sort of work out why they were damned in the first place so i definitely think that could be interesting i think another um, i think another good way that could potentially be used is we've talked a bit about how in some editions they can attract like an undead ally like a lich or a vampire mm-hmm. so i think another way they could be used is obviously if you if you have like a lich or a vampire they tend to certain classes are better at facing off against them and i think if you wanted to like have a strong sort of martial component so to give like the combat characters something to do if you maybe have like a lower level death knight 
who's like subservient to the Lich Lord or the vampire main villain of the piece, there'd be a nice like little sub-boss that you sort of defeat on the way to the main boss and the um, it'd certainly give the combat character something to do. Maybe they're trying to hold off the Death Knight while the mage is trying to like counter the magics of the Lich or whatever, or maybe the Death Knight's defending like the, the sarcophagus of the vampire while it sleeps during the day and you've got to get through him first with like a ticking clock because the sun's going down. You've got to defeat that Death Knight quick or at least get past him so you can hammer the wooden stake into the vampire before he can rise up <laughs> in the evening. I think that could be quite like a tense scene because as you're like ticking away the combat rounds, if you've got like a little timer, and if I'm doing timers, I like to actually have the timer in like the corner of the screen when I'm running the game online. The players can see that time ticking down, and you're like, oh, we've only got like eight rounds left before like the vampire's going to burst out of his coffin. Oh, maybe a couple of us can hold him off while like the rest of you get to the coffin and like hammer the wooden stake into him. And then maybe if the vampire does rise up, you don't make it in time. Maybe you have to make a fight in retreat and come back another day. Who knows? But I think that could certainly be a very tense scene, and it would add an extra element to what otherwise might just be a normal combat. And I'm a big fan of doing stuff like that. So what about using Death Knights as player characters, John? no. <laughs> so that's our episode on Death Knights. We hope you've enjoyed it. As we said earlier, if you're interested in us doing a bit of more of a deep dive into like Lord Soth and um, the iconic Death Knight, let us know. Maybe we could do that as a future episode. We're quite willing to revisit these subjects if there's interest if you want to leave us a message about this episode or any other or maybe you want to throw a few suggestions at us for things you'd like to see in the future you can leave us a message on speakpipe there's a link in the description of this show or you can drop us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and keep gaming bye